0: Good morning, very warm welcome to all of you, good to see you here, here to praise God, worship God, hear from him. So let's pray and ask God to help us as we uh, come this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of being here, the joy of being together. Thank you for bringing us safely here. Lord, we pray this morning, Lord, that we would worship you, Lord, not just with our lips, but with our hearts. Lord, forgive us for when you have not been the king of our life, forgive us when we have come with wrong attitudes, maybe forgive us if we've come this morning with wrong attitudes. Lord, I pray you'd revive us, Lord, that we would come as a church ready to praise you and to give glory to you this morning. Lord, do work in us, I pray, speak to us this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. There, as well, a very warm welcome to those of you on live stream. It's good to have you with us. Well, we're going to start this morning by singing, uh, and it is to God be the glory. It reminds us of why we're here, to God be the glory. Let's praise him now this morning. All This morning we're carrying on in our series in uh, Colossians uh, but we're going to read firstly from 1 Corinthians 13 this morning. So we've got a, a short section from 1 Corinthians 13 and then we'll read our passage in Colossians 3 after that. So Colossian, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong are a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Well, that is part of our reading for today, and it will uh, be part of the message. But just before I move on to the bit from Colossians, just want to say about this book. So obviously, it's great to see you at church. One of the joys of coming to church is to hear someone like John explaining the word to us. But, you know, there are resources during the week, uh, week as well, uh, and this is one of them. So this is a book that Steve Sharp's been reading recently, and he's found it very helpful. It's called Loving the Way Jesus Loves. And uh, he's very generously provided some free books that are out in the foyer at the moment. So if this is a book that you'd like to read, then uh, do feel free to take one. It's based on uh, what's called the Love Chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Let me just read the blurb for you quickly. Most people are familiar with the Love Chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Yet Phil Riken has something fresh to say. Drawing on the life and ministry of Jesus to illustrate what love is and isn't, Reichen brings a unique perspective to this commonly quoted passage. Loving the way Jesus loves successfully integrates biblical teaching, photography, chapter study guides, and a popular level writing style, all of which help you understand the profound love of Christ more deeply and in turn learn to love more deeply in response. So, if that's something that's of interest to you, then we've had some generously provided copies out in the foyer. So, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. So this is the passage that John's particularly focusing on today. You may remember that last week we had what we put off. This week is the, the positive, what we put on. What clothing do we put on? So Colossians 3, 12 to 17 So we look forward to hearing John explain a bit more about that later. Just quickly, very briefly, before we sing again, um, there is a Christmas flyer as well. I meant to have one with me, I haven't got one, but they are out in the foyer. um, And it gives the details of uh, particularly the three Christmas services that we've got. So do pick one up. Um, If you're part of First Tuesday, First Steps, or you're going to the wreath-making evening, they are handing those out there. Um, to everyone so if you go into that or you've got friends coming to that they'll probably get one there but there there are plenty we did 500 of them so there's plenty around so um, do take them if you need them to give to people uh, it'd be great to have lots of people coming along wouldn't it we're going to sing again there is an everlasting kindness uh, it's, it's one of those hymns in brackets it says compassion hymn and it takes us back to the very source of love and uh, the chorus starts what boundless love what fathomless grace you have shown us o god of compassion so we'll sing this and then after this uh, john hitch has got the children's talk and by the looks of it you're in for a bit of a treat with all the things going on so thank you
1: Bonjour. Bienvenue à l'église. Oh, good. See. had some idea of what I was saying. Any idea what, what language I was trying to speak and what I said? Yeah? French. French, good. What did I say? Yeah, hello. What I said was, hello, or welcome to church. Okay, what about if you came in here and you can have the first slide up? Okay. Anyone know what that is? Always oh, a bit blurred, but uh, actually there's probably one word you know on there. Do you know what it is? is it, it is a prayer, but not in French. Good, good guess. Anyone know what language it is? <clears throat> yeah, just German. not German, but sort of getting close. Yeah, Spanish? not Spanish. Begins with L. Yeah, yes. Latin. Good, good, well done. Yeah, that's Latin. That's the Lord's Prayer in Latin. And if you came here, came to a church five hundred years ago, and many years leading up to that point, you're coming through the doors. And the priest in the Roman Catholic Church then would just speak to you in Latin. And none of you, hardly, unless you were really rich, or unless you were the son or daughter of the priest, would know absolutely anything of what you were being told. The Bible was in Latin, they preached in Latin, and it was illegal to read out the Lord's Prayer in English. And some people got put to death because they did that. That's what England was like 500 years ago and many years before. Imagine if uh, you came in every Sunday and John and Mark stood up here and started talking in Latin. whole load of gibberish, wouldn't it? But you had to be there because there were fines for people who didn't come to church at some stage. So there were bad times in England and it wasn't good. But I want to tell you a story, uh, the real story, that happened about a man. And he's probably the greatest hero of England our country, okay? And But I want, to, I want some of you to help me help me do that. Will you help me do that this morning? Are you going to help, Harvey? Okay, look, well, you're going to be uh, King Henry the VIII, okay? So, and, oh dear my say, so you're going to have to grow a little bit flat to fit, aren't you? Sorry. You sit there on your throne, and we need, need someone else. Yeah, do you want to come up? I don't know, Flynn, we're coming in case you come up. You can be, we haven't got enough lads here, you can be the Bishop of London, your name is Cuthbert Tunstall. What a great name. You're the Bishop of London. We need, friends, you want to come up? You help me, and you are going to be our, well, our hero, really. You're going to be William Tyndale. Okay, there's your feather for writing, and there are your scrolls. We need a farmer who's got, who's come up as a farmer. Yeah, come on then. Uh, so you put that on and stand just there. Uh, we need a printer who can be our printer. Who's going to come up? You haven't got to say anything. Oh no, we've run out of characters. Nobody wants to be a printer? Yeah, come on, Jess. You haven't gonna do anything. Just just put this on. You stand there. We haven't got much time. Here's your here's your printing. Fresh out your printing press, so don't smudge the ink. And we need oh the the Bishop of London has this. And we need a merchant, somebody who buys and sells across the seas. Who's gonna be our merchant? Someone can be our merchant. Come on in, yeah, come on, that'd be great. You come over here, you can sit down if you like Okay. could you mind putting that out on oh, you are the merchant, ok right now, William Tyndale ok, was a very clever educated man, and he could speak seven languages, apart from English he could speak Hebrew, Greek French, Spanish, Latin I can't remember what the other one or two are uh, but it wasn't just a pathetic effort like me at the beginning with French he could think he was uh, uh, a Greek person or a Hebrew person or a, from Spain he was so good in the languages and he was a priest for a while um, but William Tyndale started to get very cross because he knew that the Roman Catholic Church was lying to everybody and they were just telling people the bits of the Bible they wanted them to say so the priest would say oh, if you give me some money I'll say a prayer for you and get you a place in heaven and for your relatives does the Bible say that? absolutely not but none of you here knew that because you just heard Latin every week And you didn't know the truth of the Bible. And William Tyndale realised that people weren't being told the good news of Jesus. That anybody could be saved. It wasn't about being a good person to get into heaven, but it was about God's grace. And so he was really cross. And he said, as God helps me, my life's work is going to make sure that the farm boy, who's uneducated, can hear the Bible in his own or her own language. was a huge risk because it was illegal to translate the Bible into English and William Tyndale had seen perhaps some of his friends and he'd certainly heard of people being carted off to prison and being put to death because they tried translating or speaking about God in English and um, so he thought that's going to be my life's work the most uneducated person is going to understand something in the Bible so off William Tyndale goes to the Bishop of London Cuthbert, Tunstall and oh his hat's fallen off and William Tyndale says, I want to translate the Bible into English. Will you give me permission? What do you think he said? No. No. <laughs> no, you're banned from anything in English to do with the Bible. So William Tyndale wasn't, wasn't very happy with that. The king and they were pally. They were, they were, they were good friends and, and they were in this together. Um, and so William Tyndale said, the only thing I can do now is I'm going to have to leave the country. What I'm going to do is going to risk my life, I'm going to be an outlaw, I'm going to be on the run, I'm going to be hunted down, but I'm going to do what God's told me to do. And people are going to have um, the Bible in English. So off, uh, William Tyndale goes to Germany, and he then spends the next lot of years, do you want to go and sit down there, because you're in hiding. he's got to be really careful, always watching his back, and there were spies sent out to try and find him to stop his work, but all the time, William Tyndale spent his time writing, and he took the original Hebrew, the words that Jesus spoke, Peter, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul the Apostle, and he said, oh, what does this mean in Greek? He knew Greek really well. I said, what's the English word for that? What's the English phrase for that? Mm, does that make sense in English for the, the farmer boy? And he spent hours and hours, years, writing down, by his pen, with his quill, and eventually he had the New Testament ready. And so now he's got to find a printer, not, not a Epsom printer, okay, but an old-fashioned printing machine which took ages and ages to do. And there were lots of printers across Europe. And he was in a place called Cologne, which was on the River Rhine, which was a great place because that would be a good place to get the Bibles out. And the, the printing started happening. The Bibles being printed. And then the printers got found out. Somebody grasped them up. And they came and they, they, they took the works. William Tyndale, he ran off and he got going and he escaped with some of his... His uh, scrolls and his writings. But the workshop got burnt down and the printer got arrested and in big trouble. So William Tyndale had to find a new printer. Ah, oh, it was really hard work. But he knew that it was the right thing to do. So eventually, William Tyndale gets the Bible finished, the New Testament finished, the New Testament part of the Bible. So how are we going to get this into England? Because it's no good in Germany, because they speak German. We've done it in English. So it's got to go to England. So what they do, he knows some merchants some other people who are keen to get the English Bible into Britain, England, and they start smuggling Bibles into England. Up the River Rhine, across the English Channel, and then up through the River Thames into the dockyards of the River Thames. And in the sacks of grain, do you want to have a look, see what's in there for us? Um, In the sacks of grain were hidden the New Testaments. That um, Yeah, oh, there's one. Any more in there? And the packages were marked with a special symbol... So that when they arrived in London... Oh, that's my coat. (laughs) (laughs) We need some more Bibles right on. That's good. Okay. okay. And they were all smuggled in with grain and other different kinds of things. And then the Bible got spread around England. This was great news. And people would say, a week's wages to buy a Bible? Yes, because I want God's Word in my own language so much. Or, please read it to me. I can't read. But how wonderful to have the Bible in my own language. And these guys found out. Do you think they were happy? No, they weren't. They were very cross. King Henry VIII was cross. Cuthbert Tunstall, the Bishop of London, was cross. But they couldn't really stop what was going on. They tried really hard. And Bishop Tunstall, he said, right, okay, bring all the new Bibles, the English Bibles, we're going to have a big bonfire. And he got people. He said, you're not allowed these. This is it. This is illegal. Bring your Bibles, we're going to have a big bonfire. And um, and not even uh, Bishop Tunstall, he bought some of the Bible. He said, I'm not going to let people have them. I'm going to buy them up. But he actually bought them at quite a high price. And the money that he paid for actually helped William Tyndale to carry on his writing. So there's a good thing out of a bad thing. But he got all the Bibles together in London. He had a big bonfire and a celebration with his other priests. And he said, he had a sermon. Basically, why we don't need the Bible in English. I mean, if John or Mark had a sermon with that title, we'd, we'd be kicking them out, wouldn't we? Okay. And that's what he did. And he burnt all the Bibles that he could find, and there were thousands of them by now. But William Tyndale, he was being hunted down by spies that were sent out across to Germany and Belgium to try and find him, and he was still busy with his printing, with his printers, and then he started on the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, and, um, and then one day, uh, we need somebody who's, who's going to be... Can we have one more person? Yeah, come on then, that's great. Okay, uh, you are Henry Phillips, and you're a nasty man, um, but come out William Tyndale out you come and he goes searching for William Tyndale and Henry befriends William Tyndale and shows a great interest ah oh, your scrolls your New Testament, your English translation can I get involved can I help you but Henry Phillips was a Judas that means that he betrayed William Tyndale into the hands of the authority and William Tyndale after all his hard work, at about the age of 40 or so, 42, he was arrested, and he was told that he was a heretic. You are a liar, and all your writings are lies. And poor William Tyndale was then put in a dungeon for 16 months in the cold and the dark. And on 2nd of October, 1536, he was strangled and burned. And that was the end of William Tyndale. But before he got killed, he prayed this prayer out loud to everyone who was watching. He said, Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. And within a year after that, King Henry VIII made a decision, and he made a law that in every church in England, there should be, what? What should there be? A what? An English Bible. And everybody who wanted to read the Bible in English could. Could. And so William Tyndale started off something amazing. And he paid for it with his life. And he's a great hero for all of us here. And he's one of the reasons why you have a Bible in English. And that's a great thing. And we have preachers who preach to us in English. We're not told lies. Some people still are where there's false teaching around us. But here we go back to the Bible all the time. And we love the Bible and we thank God for people like William Tyndale and the way God used him and all the events of that adventurous time 500 years ago to bring us the Bible. Good. Well done. Try and remember that. And thank you for your help. Let's have your hats back here and let's go and sit down. Thank you. Good, good. That's
0: great. Good, good. Thank you, John. Hopefully that's all given us a fresh appreciation of, uh, of this book. And I'm also very grateful that we don't have to preach in Latin. Um, yeah, thank you. Well, let's come together now and pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that you've spoken to us in a way that we can understand. But Lord, we know that throughout history there have been people who have determined, been determined for us not to understand it. Uh, for those who have taught lies, for those who have taught it wrong. And so, Lord, we come with a great appreciation for people like William Tyndale and others who are translating your word into something that we can understand. We thank you, Lord, that this morning we are reading a passage that, even though it's so old and was originally written in a different language, yet is still incredibly relevant for us today and teaches us about how to live for you and how to love you. And, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to understand it. Lord, do help John as he speaks to us a bit later. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we just also thank you that there are people around the world today that are still translating the Bible into languages that have never been translated into before. And we pray that you bless them. Lord, we thank you that there's a lot more freedom nowadays in many places in the world. Lord, we pray that you bless their efforts. Lord, we thank you uh, for modern day printers and for computers and all the resources that we have um, to do things so much more quickly nowadays. But Lord, you know that it's still a, a huge work, Lord, translating the Bible because of the need for accuracy and the need for people to be able to actually understand what it's saying. So Lord, I do pray that you bless their works and we just come in thankfulness again. Lord, we pray that we'd have the same fire in our bellies for your glory and for people to understand your word. Lord, we thank you so much for Colossians that we've been looking out on Sunday mornings. Lord, we pray that you'd help us again today. But Lord, we, we look back to the prayer that Paul prayed for them and for us at the beginning. And Lord, we pray that again. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with the knowledge uh, of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Lord, I pray that we would live our lives in a way that is worthy of being called your children. Lord, I pray that we would live lives that please you Lord that in all the, the good works that we do Lord that they would be good works that bear fruit because they are done in and through you and for your kingdom Lord I pray that we would know you more and more Lord I pray that you'd help us to use times like this and times like reading the Bible by ourselves and maybe other books Lord to know you more and more Lord I pray that you'd strengthen us with all your power Lord, we know that the Bible talks about it glorious might. Lord, strengthen us in your power. Lord, we need it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to endure, to keep going, to keep the faith. Help us to be patient. Lord, help us to do these things with joy. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be grateful to you. Lord, Paul reminded them of that right back in his prayer for them, and we'll see more of that today in the passage. Lord, through Jesus, we've been qualified to be saints of light. Lord, we don't deserve it, and yet, Lord, that is the truth because of Jesus, and we praise you for that. Lord, I pray that you'd be with John Martin, Lord, as he speaks at uh, the Millwood Care Home this afternoon. Lord, we thank you for him, for what you've done in his life, and for his love for you. And Lord, I pray that as he goes in there and speaks your words, Lord, that those um, elderly folk, Lord, will hear your word, and Lord, that you really work through him. Bless John in his soul as he goes and speaks to them, and do help him, we pray. Lord, I want to bring before you as well, particularly this morning, those who are grieving. Lord, there are a number here this morning, grieving. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we pray, especially for Rosie this week, um, and the loss of her mother, And for those who have lost grandparents, we pray for Jackie Otway as well and for the family losing her father. Lord, we pray for the hares as well at this incredibly difficult time. Lord, we pray that you would bless them in a way that only you can. Lord, do be with them. Lord, we thank you for the church family. Lord, that you, you give us to each other as a church. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to support and love them. Lord, do comfort them at this time, we pray. Lord, we thank you that as a church, Lord, that we are not just here at Fold, but that actually we're part of a bigger church, we're part of a worldwide church. So Lord, we pray for those uh, that some of us here know, that are around the world, also part of your church. Lord, we think of George and Zarika in the Criswell Valley in Romania. Lord, we pray for them in their work. We think of Dr. Rosie Crowter. We pray for her. We thank you for her wonderful example and encouragement to many of us here. Lord, we pray for James and Rachel as well in Cyprus. Lord, we thank you that they've left us and they've gone out to share uh, the good news in Cyprus. Lord, we pray that you bless them. Lord, we thank you for the family um, Even here this morning, Lord, we thank you for all that they do for us and for the way they've shown so much love to us. And Lord, we we do pray for them. Lord, bless them. Help them to be fruitful. Lord, I pray that they would be able to see evidence of you working through them and that that would be a real blessing to them. Lord, we pray for our evening services as well. Lord, we thank you that in the evenings we've been looking at the letters to the churches in Revelation. And Lord, there have been some very challenging messages there. And encouraging ones. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we as a church would have ears to hear. Lord, that we wouldn't just listen and learn, but Lord, that these things would be really challenging us and changing us. And Lord, I just pray as well for the Christmas events coming up. Lord, we thank you for Christmas time. We thank you that it's such an opportunity just to share why Jesus came. Lord, this baby who came to be the saviour of the world. Lord, I pray that uh, people would come along, that they would hear this good news. Lord, we thank you for the wreath-making evening, the fact that it's already fully booked and that so many people who are coming along who are completely new to it. Lord, I pray that as they come along and as they hear Rachel Broom share a little bit of the Christian message, Lord, that they would understand why we believe it, why we find it so amazing, and Lord, that you'd work in their hearts that they too would come to know the good news of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd bless those of us who are involved with planning them, Help those of us who have colleagues or friends that we can invite. Help us to be bold in inviting them. Help us to have a desire to invite them. And Lord, I pray that as we share Jesus, the saviour of the world, that many people would be saved. Lord, it's a big prayer, but Lord, it's a prayer you can answer. and we pray that you would. And Lord, again, I just pray for John. Lord, as he comes to speak to us shortly, Lord, I pray that you bless him with your spirit, that we may very much know that we are hearing your words uh, to us this morning. So we bring these things before you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before John does speak, we're going to sing again. It's a fairly new one. It's called A Christian's Daily Prayer. Uh, I'm going to read verse 2. As day unfolds, I seek your will in all of life's demands. And, through the tempter, and though the tempter tries me still, I cling to your commands. Let every effort of my life display the matchless worth of Christ. Make me a living sacrifice. Be glorified today.
2: Relationships. Relating to people, uh, to family, to friends, to co workers, to teammates, to the neighbours in the block of flats. Relationships. Are they the biggest blessing? The biggest headache? A bit of both? Feel the Christmas Christmas tensions already like a pit in your stomach if you think through some of the eventualities that you've got to go through. That phrase that's around, neighbours from hell, a a strange phrase but um, there's something of a flavour of that about your life. Uh, Difficulties with close friends and colleagues whether it be of the fireworks sort or the frozen sort, or the fragile sort. And most of us long for good relationships, don't we? And we, we struggle when they're not there. Tension and awkwardness and pain and isolation is a big part of life, it's a miserable part of life. We're carrying on in Colossians 3 this morning and uh, we're in the territory of relationships really, especially at the start. And what Paul says here is very, very appealing. Christian relationships are, or at least should be, very different. There is a different quality about truly Christian relationships. Uh, At their best, they're not always at their best, but where they're at their best, there's a different dimension about relationships between those that are genuinely Christians. And maybe you haven't experienced that yet in your life, but perhaps you've started to see it in others. And I'm hoping that as we look at it a bit more, more this morning, it will attract you and draw you to Christ and his gospel and his teaching and his influence Here, uh, Paul is encouraging great relationships of this sort. So they're not quite there yet. And uh, sadly, our relationships as Christians are not always there. And we're sorry where there are gaps and where it doesn't match up to what it should be. uh, There should be something different about it. And that's what he's encouraging. So this morning, as well as attracting us to this sort of relationship, it will encourage those of us who are Christians in these sorts of relationships. I think we come to six immense verses this morning. Six immense verses The early verses are are on the way we relate and um, the latter verses are on some of the things that underpin it. We've got a new outfit and radiating hearts that we're going to be looking at this morning. So we start off with a new outfit. So last week we saw, do you remember, that that a, a change of uh, 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 of life was necessary when somebody becomes Christian and, and it's pictured like a, a change of clothes, remember we thought of the dirty gardening clothes in the afternoon then being replaced by better clothes for the special family meal in the evening and uh, last week we, we thought of some of the things to discard, the things that shouldn't be part of our lives the uncontrolled desires, the um, hateful attitudes, the damaging words, that those those clothes really need to be ditched, they are no longer the part of how we should be living, they weren't part of the new you. And this week we come to the new items, to the new outfit, to the new fashions, to the new uniform of what it should be like as a believer, the new you. Now these are people who loved God, They were part of God's community. You get that clear from the outset. Put on, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. They were loved by God. They were set aside by God. They were God's choice and chosen one who had been blessed by God. And as a result, there should be a new outfit, new attitudes, new behaviours, which affected their relationships. Now, I want this morning to be practical I'm wanting what, what we look at to actually infiltrate our, our lives and relationships. So I do want you to be thinking of um, perhaps the strains that there are in relationships because these words sort of speak into situations where there are strains. And we'd all have some strained relationships. Um, some big, some small, some lasting, some temporary and I want these words to speak into them so I do want you to be thinking in your minds of some of those for whom your relationship at the minute at least is a bit strained Okay, so it's a bit tense, it's a bit awkward I imagined it like this, like a fruit machine they're a big waste of money so I'm not encouraging you to put money in fruit machines but you know fruit machines they have the fruits going down whirling round and then they settle on three fruits and Work out whether you've got some money or not. Well, I want in your mind that you've got a lot of people that you relate to, and you're whirring through your mind. And I want, I want perhaps three to settle in your mind. Who there is a, to be honest, there's a bit of a strain in your relationship at the minute. Ideally, I want uh, one to be in your family or a close friend. Okay. Might actually be a husband, wife at the minute. Some tensions, some difficulties. Might be uh, children. Might be parents. Might be brothers. Might be sisters. Might be a close, close friend. I want another one to be um, somebody who is a person at church. All easy at the minute. And I want somebody else who's perhaps a little bit other, outside of the church situation, maybe work, school friend, um, neighbour. So try and settle. I've been thinking through this this week. I want this, this word has been speaking to me. Now, let the fruit machine sort of settle on a few if you can, so that these words speak into them. Okay. Now, I know some situations are especially complicated, exceptional, difficult, there's a danger of being a bit simplistic here but I think what we're looking at this morning will speak into many situations and what is the new outfit that Christians should be wearing? What are the new clothes, the new attitudes, behaviours? Well we can group what's here into, um, into different ones. So we're on the verses here 12 to 14. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness. Let's stop there. It's our first item of clothing, if you like. Compassion. Compassionate hearts. Kindness. Uh, To be moved deep down in our hearts, that means. To really care for someone and be concerned for them. Kindness. To do them good. To want the best for them. When we're strained, we find we get very hardened. We don't care about people. We don't mind if they have a hard time. In fact, we quite enjoy it if they have a hard time because there's no compassion in our hearts. But when we think of the compassion of Jesus, the way he was so moved by those around who were in need, who were bereaved, whose lives were messed up. When we think of the compassion and kindness of Jesus, then we want, don't we, to be compassionate ourselves. And as we think of the three faces that we've got lined up, and we realise we've got hard-hearted towards them, We realise instead that Christ wants us to be compassionate and that Christ enables us to grow in compassion because he's been compassionate to us. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. Humility is another part of the new clothes to put on in our relationships. Humility and meekness. Not being too concerned for ourselves. Too sensitive about our feelings and needs. Not insisting on our own way as as though we're the only thing important in the situation deflating, if you like, our view of ourselves, which has got a bit too puffed up. Humility and meekness. And for a Christian, again, rooted in Christ, who humbled himself and gave up the, the honour and glory and privileges that were associated with him in glory and instead came down to humanity and its lostness to the cross in its pain, so that you could be forgiven. The the one who picked up the towel and washed the feet of his disciples. The one who was so humble. And then you think in your situation and relationships. And we need the balloon popped of our own pride. And we need to be deflated. And we need some meekness and humility. Christ-likeness. You think of the three faces. Demonstrating humility and meekness is part of the problem, actually. <laughs> Our own pride. But on then, get dressed in this, God's chosen Holy One's Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. Patience, bearing with one another. You say, they drive me mad. They make me so cross. They get under my skin, I just can't put up with them. Patience, bearing with one another. I love that description, bearing with one another needs to happen, doesn't it? Not always easy. Maybe they are hyper-organized and they don't give you any space, they bustle you along. Maybe they are disorganized and you don't know where you stand and what's happening. Maybe they're so insensitive, they wound you with their thoughtlessness. Maybe they're so sensitive, everything just seems a hundred times more complicated to deal with because of them. Maybe they're so patronising. Maybe they're so interfering. Maybe they're just so selfish. Maybe they're just so full of themselves. The Bible encourages us to be patient and bearing with one another. Hasn't God been patient with you? Don't you keep on making the same mistakes? Aren't you amazed at how long-suffering the Lord is in your direction? Doesn't he have a lot to bear with you? So that's a new outfit. Patience, bearing with one another. We can go a step forward as we go through this list of things to put on forgiveness if anyone has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive they've wronged and hurt you hopefully they've admitted it and apologize. That's what's necessary for sort of full reconciliation forgiveness. But maybe they haven't and you need to just be at the point of a readiness to forgive. But they've wounded you. And the pain of their words you've felt for weeks and maybe years. They've let you down, and you're so confused, and cheated, and hurt. Here you think of Jesus, who forgave those and prayed for those who jeered at him, who spat on him, who nailed him to the cross. You think of the way the Lord has forgiven you, your mountain of sins. And that Jesus came into the world in order that they may be forgiven to take them on himself. And so you think of your three faces and maybe what they've done, which maybe they shouldn't have done, which has been very hard for you. But you almost think of a fourth face. You're too imaginative here, but you think of a fourth person, let's put it like that. You think of Jesus, what he's done for you. And you say, yes, my new outfit, my new clothes now is to go forward in forgiveness. And then the best is left till last. It's a a cloak that covers everything really. Verse 14, and above all, above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony this is the great new uniform for the Christian isn't it a new commandment I give to you says Jesus that you love one another as I have loved you by this shall all men know that you are my disciples because you have love for one another great list of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter 5 and the first is love great chapter that's often read at weddings that we had read to us the great theme of it 1 Corinthians 13 is love and here and above all these most of all put them all together in fact all of them are almost consumed with this and above all these put on love That's why it's such a good theme, the book we have out there, encouraging us to love. Jesus was so loving. Greater love has no one than this and he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus loved you even though you didn't deserve it. He loved you so much even though you didn't deserve it. So you look at the three faces again. Can you love them? When you think of Jesus going to the cross for you these clothes all, all have a brand name really they've all got the label of Christ on them we're just living out what Jesus has done for us in our relationships And a wonderful difference it makes when we do So there's a new outfit. But I want to come to the other three verses here. And I've been uh, deeply impressed by them. And they go to the heart of what is behind these attitudes and these behaviours which are so wonderfully affecting our relationships. We're going to call it radiating hearts, pulsating hearts. You remember the Ready Break adverts? And uh, the lad, I think it is in the advert, on a cold winter's morning, has a good bowl full of Ready Break down in his tummy. And then he goes out to the day and he's uh, got a gl- red or an orange glow around him because he's got hot stuff inside. And it's radiating out. If you have porridge sometimes of a morning, it's like putting a big hot water bottle in the middle of yourself, isn't it? And it then radiates out and warms you. Last night at a relative's house, I had a casserole, lovely warm casserole. Hot stuff, so it was too hot, my jumper came off. My slippers came off, I was getting too hot because I've got this hot stuff inside pulsating out, warming me up. And in these three verses you have at least three things which are deep inside of the believer. And when they are deep inside of the believer, they radiate, they pulsate out. See if you can spot them. Verses 15 to 17. What sort of hearts are these? They're peaceful hearts. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. If you've trusted in Christ, you have peace with God. Your sins have been hung on that cross. Remember that from a few weeks ago. And you're free from them. You have no guilt. Your relationship with God is good. You have a, a deep peace inside. You're in a situation, a position of peace. You always will be with God. And that peace deep inside radiates through. Especially as we're increasingly conscious of it and aware of it. And as we have that peace inside, like the ready brick, it makes us increasingly peaceful outside and towards others we have peace with God, peace in our minds we can be more peaceful with others, the reason that we're not peaceful for other, uh, with others is often because we're not at peace inside and because we don't realise we're at peace with God we feel secure it radiates Often relationships are strained when we feel threatened. You sense somebody feels that you are a bad parent. It gets to the core, doesn't it? It matters to you. Part of your identity as a parent, you feel hurt, you feel cross, you despise them maybe. But then if you remember that Jesus died for your parental mistakes, that's liberating. That gives a peace. It doesn't mean you're not sad or concerned or prayerful, or regretful, but you have a peace deep inside. And it, then you're not so crotchety to everyone and about everyone because of how you feel. The peace of God is ruling. The peace of Christ is ruling in your hearts. Peaceful hearts. Wordful hearts. I put wordful in in my notes and a little red scribble came up because it uh, doesn't register the word. Wordful hearts. But we're turning into a word. Wordful hearts. That's what's happening in verse 16 as he describes this Christian community and encourages them, let the word of Christ Or let the message of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The message about Jesus, the message about the cross, the message about his character, the message about the effect it has in our lives. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, let it be inside us as a community, us as individuals, and let it dwell in there richly, fully, be, be marinated in it, be soaked in it, be saturated in Christ and his message and it affects everything, it, it radiates out. And we can encourage that that dwelling of Christ's word, the message of Christ in us richly by teaching one another, it says, So we can say things to one another which encourage a reminder of Jesus and what he has done and it affects then our lives. Not just the people up the front, even in English, but between us, one another it says, he's teaching one another, encouraging one another so that the message of Christ dwells in us richly. There's another way in which it happens, by singing, by singing. We're grateful to be able to sing here together. We're grateful for the musicians who help us to sing along. We give glory to God as we sing. But you know also, when we sing together, when you sing, you're not just glorifying the Lord in your heart, although I hope you're doing that. You're encouraging Fred next to you. Who finds that he... he, drinks in the word of Christ as its son. When we had some new songs a couple of weeks ago in the evening at our practice, uh, John Hitchcock emphasised that the ones we'd chosen were were full of God's word. They're Bible-based songs. That's what we want. And then as we sing them, and as you go out afterwards, and they're there's sort of humming away in your mind, and as you drive home, you're sort of larring to them. You've got the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. It affects your relationships. Peaceful. Wordful. Last one. Thankful. Thankful. A thankful heart should affect all our actions. Comprehensively, you have that in verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It was also at the end of the previous two verses. Did you notice that? I think one of the home groups picked up this when they were going through that. Verse 16. The songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God, the ready breath, Deep down thankfulness in your hearts the end of verse 15, and be thankful thankful for what Jesus has done freshly aware of his wonderful love, amazed at somebody like him coming to do what he did for us, feeling it personally and it affects our actions our attitudes and our relationships because a thankful heart deep down leads to very different relationships in our lives my heart is filled with thankfulness to him who bore my pain who plumbed the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again who crushed my curse of sinfulness and clothed me with his light and wrote his law of righteousness with power upon my heart. And it affects us. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who reigns above, whose wisdom is my perfect peace, whose every thought is love. For every day I have on earth is given by the king, so I will give my life, my all, to love and follow him. Relationships. A blessing? A headache? Both. But transformed when we know Jesus and his love. Be drawn to Jesus and his love if you've not known relationships like this. And where you have, seek to grow in them so that increasingly this is very much your outfit. Now you are in the family as a child of the king and that these things are in our hearts radiating outwards what a wonderful difference it makes to a community when these things are very real and living well let's sing our our last song which is on the theme of love Let love be found among us, a love from God alone, the hallmark of the children whom God delights to own. before I do the closing prayers is it possible I have the whole slide up again of this sermon right Ray if that doesn't set you back too much so let's just have a we'll stand but we'll have a, a moment to pray personally in response to uh, something that we've been thinking about this morning and then our closing prayer Lord, we thank you for the the wonder and the enjoyment and the privilege of relationships which are so different from what they could have been because Christ has made such a big difference in our lives. We pray for an increased sense of thankfulness, peacefulness and wordfulness to be in our hearts and in our community, uh, pulsating outwards, radiating outwards in how we are to others. Well, we thank you that we should be putting on these new outfits and we thank you that you have in measure helped us to but sometimes we've forgotten who we are and we've put on the old clothes which don't really match our new situation. We pray that encouraged this morning and prayerful we might think through how these things should be um, working their way through even in Some of the strains of the relationships that we have. Help us to be people of compassion. People of humility. People of meekness. People of forgiveness. People of love. We pray, Lord, that you would be honoured by a great amount of love amongst us.
3: We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.